comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. everybody and welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Craig Demunda and Russ Latham. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. Good. And we'll probably be joined a little bit later by Jim, but he's got to put the kiddies to bed first. But this week, we're here to talk about The Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 7. Uh, I said 7 up. Heads up. Uh, what did you guys think, just generally speaking, of heads up? Well, I think it was definitely light years ahead of the other Alexandria episode we have, if you want to call this an Alexandria episode, which it was partially. Um, the other part was, Glenn is back! Hooray! Spoiler alert, he's alive, as we suspected. Um, but it was definitely very nicely paced. I like the way everything kind of pieced together. All the loose threads, for the most part, are being wrapped up right now, and I'm very pleased to see that. And I'm actually liking... The way that this time jumping is going, all these events have happened in really a day or a day and a half or two days, if you will, in, in, in showtime this whole season. So I'm really liking this, though. I mean, this is, this is I, I should go back and just binge watch the whole first half of the season once we're done with next week. But so far, this episode was good, and uh, I'll save the rest of my comments for the remainder of the show. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Uh, I, I think it was somewhere between last week's episode and the week before's episode. Honestly, there was wasn't anything, you know, really that just blew me away this episode. But by the same token, there wasn't anything that really put me off other than Enid, which I'm sure we'll get into quite a bit coming up. But but yeah, it was a fine episode. I mean, you know, kept kept things moving forward, and obviously the big uh, finale sets us up for next week. So yeah, this was definitely for me an episode I liked much much better than last week's. It certainly wasn't a perfect episode, but there was enough things in it that I really liked, and not those same problems that I had last time. That uh, I, I was in a much better mood watching this week's episode. But we'll get into that as <laughs> when we go through the the actual. It's good to hear, Jordan. Discussion. You know, you you're you're a little down on last week's episode. I'm glad to see you're feeling better about this week. It, it's it's good. rare that I. <laughs> have to spend an hour or an hour and a half talking about something I didn't like, and I, I generally <laughs> don't like doing that, so I'm happy that I don't have to do a repeat of that. But this week's episode, like we said, Season 6, Episode 7, was entitled Heads Up. It was written by Channing Powell and directed by David Boyd. And I don't think we had any guest stars out of the ordinary, so don't bother going through them, although we did get a nice appearance of Major Dodson uh, in, in the episode. So uh, the episode starts back in that alley where Nicholas and Glenn were on top of the dumpster before, of course, Nicholas killed himself and the two fell off into the pile of walkers. And like uh, Craig, you said earlier, like we pretty much assumed, yeah, that was Nicholas being torn apart, not Glenn. Uh, Glenn used uh, his strength to pull himself under the dumpster and the walkers uh, either didn't, well, some of the walkers saw him and tried to get at him, but he took them out with knives and the others eventually just lost interest and were distracted by other things, possibly uh, Enid, I guess to get ahead of ourselves, possibly just generic cans rolling around, but I have a feeling it was Enid or somebody else actually doing that on purpose. And uh, he spent the night under the dumpster uh, before coming out the next morning, and he hears someone yelling to him, Heads Up, where we get our episode title, and it's Enid tossing him a bottle of water, um, and she tells Glenn that Alexandria was attacked, but then he, she runs away before he can question her further, and he chases after her into the street. So I'm okay, and I'm going to say this for the record, I'm okay the way Glenn got out of this. I'm not okay with the way the show has been trolling us about Glenn's fate. But I'm very okay with the way that he slid under there. I could see that being viable and him kind of protecting himself by 
stabbing a few walkers around the perimeter of that dumpster so he kind of they couldn't reach in around the dead walkers i'm kind of okay with all that it, it didn't seem plausible it didn't seem hokey um i'm sure if aaron were on i'm sure jim will have some comments about this you guys too but I'm perfectly fine with that whole cold open. It worked for me. Although, stop teasing us, though. The show has to stop doing that. I thought it was masterfully shot. I mean, the one thing that opening did was give you the really... It gave you a really good feeling that uh, of of the claustrophobia that Glenn was feeling. I mean, that those can that camera was in there like right in his face. You could tell it was wedged up, you know, under the dumpster and around. I mean, so that I, I just thought I I looked to see, and it wasn't Nicotero that directed this episode. I think it was Danny Danny Boyd, Daniel Boyd, or David Boyd. I think David Boyd. Yeah, I knew his last name was Boyd. <laughs> um, that he it was directed Boyd Crowder. It. Boyd Crowder. Walton Goggins directed this. That would episode. be amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, but it it was really I thought that was extremely well done. I mean, to, to build tension and to you know obviously at this point we are you know we knew Glenn was going to be okay, but but still I just I you know I liked the way that it, it was shot and you know again it's just one of those things we talked I mentioned this a little bit last week that when it comes to the the walkers and how they're you know, how they treat the you know, the cast members, it's, it's almost like it's a means to an end. You know, they can be as dumb as they need to be to get the point across, uh, or smart as, or quote, smart as they need to be to, you know, to make something bad happen. So, uh, I, I just kind of take it with a grain. Yeah. I was going to say I was of two minds about the scene, but when I really think about it, I'm more of like six minds about this scene. Um, so where to even begin? First off, I guess I'll bounce off of what how you started your comment, Russ, which is how it was shot. I thought how it was shot was really, really great because I know a lot of people, even before this episode came out, when people were theorizing as to how Glenn could have gotten out of that situation, and we pretty much figured it out, but a lot of people said, and, and I didn't necessarily disagree with them, boy, that sounds dumb. He just pulls himself under the dumpster and they're not able to get to him, but the way... Boyd and whoever was the DP, I, I don't know who was the focus puller, but the way they shot those op- that opening sequence of this episode, I thought really, really worked well to take something that could be a really type moment and make it compelling and make it seem believable. The, sh- the shots they were using, the angles they were using, um, and, and like you said, how claustrophobic it felt, totally, totally worked for me to, to make me go, you know what? I can buy that. I, I don't really have a problem. Now that I've seen how they actually did it, um, it's different than how I had it in my head, even though it was the same basic mechanics. It worked. Um, on the stretching it out angle, I kind of agree with you, Craig, in that, man, you re- they really stretched this out. But at the same time, I get that it bothered a lot of people, but I'd be lying if I said it bothered me. Really, um, it's not so much the stretching it out. It's the they took his name off the credits. The little stupid misdirection from Scott Gimple on the the Talking Dead. It was more that than this whole arc. Like if I if I just watched this in a binge watch and I didn't hear any of the noise from the producers and they didn't take and I didn't notice the name falling off the credits, there would have been no problem. It was that part of it that they, they tried to trick us and I, I didn't I don't know. I, I thought that was just a little cheap. I don't know. It's, to me that's their job. And if they left his name in the credits and didn't make those comments, it would also seem cheap to the same. I, I don't know. It, that type of thing doesn't bother me. It's like metagaming. I don't, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But then beyond that, I, I also, because um, I know there are still people who just don't like that. Oh, really? He pulled himself under the dumpster? That's dumb. And okay, fine. I would say this. If you go and so, someone has probably already done this on YouTube. If you take the last... 15 seconds of four episodes ago uh, when when they fell off the dumpster and edit it right to the beginning of this first 90 seconds of this episode. If you watch that all, if that was the in the episode, now granted, this is not what they did, but if, if that scene was in the episode beginning to end and it was just shot, fall off the dumpster, pulls himself away under the dumpster, and that was in the middle of an episode, right. no one would have batted an eye at all and said that no. was dumb. Like a commercial break in between. Like you see his face, go to commercial, and then you see him pulling himself under the, under the dumpster. That would have been fine. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know that I want to start holding the show to a different standard just because, oh, they put several episodes in between. Is it cheap? Sure, maybe, but it's a TV show, and they're doing their job. Like, I, I don't know that I can really fake 
being bothered by it when, to be honest, I'm not. Like, it is it is what it is. And like I said, the because this opening uh, went, you know, went above my expectations, I'm even happier. You know, it, it's so... I don't know. I, I guess that, that's that's. I'll stop what I'm saying there because at this point I've rambled for too long already. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on this, Jordan. I mean, the the goal of of the production side of of a TV show or a movie or any kind of media is to get people to watch. And by doing what they did with the Glenn thing, it definitely got people back, right? Because people are like, "Well, is he alive or isn't he alive?" I mean, to me, I I didn't ever think that he was dead. Especially because uh, what's his face said thank you and sacrificed himself. So if if Glenn was gonna die too, like what was the point of that? You know, if right. the guy was being a jerk and just grabbed him and Glenn and just threw themselves off the side because they thought it was hopeless, that okay, then maybe it would have been a bigger question in my mind as to whether they're both dead. But you don't give somebody a noble sacrifice and then make it completely you know, useless. Uh, you know that and the fact that. He he was covered in blood and guts. You know, that that's the other thing. So he's hiding under the dumpster and he's got you know, he's he's got, you know, blood and guts and stuff all over him, which we know in the past has been used to uh you know, to disguise, you know, the fact that they're not one of or they that make the walkers to think that they're one of them. So I kind of almost saw that as well. That's why they weren't tenacious in you know, keep going after him. You know, once he killed a few of them to kind of block the path and he's covered in all this goo and guts, I could see where the rest of them would kind of back off because they would just assume there's nothing there. Right. And and again, they, they put in, you know, four or five cutaways of the walkers losing interest or being distracted by other things up in the air, down on the ground, down the alley. And to, to me, I don't think... I, <laughs> say what you will about their decisions to split it up by four episodes and whether or not the pulling under the dumpster is a good idea or not. And I'm not saying this to you, Craig, specifically, or to Russ specifically, or, or to any listener specifically. I'm just saying in general. Say what you will about that. I think Boyd and the DP did a masterful job of choosing shots to make it seem as believable as they possibly have could. And I think, yeah. if nothing else, A-plus for that, because they took a very bad situation, uh, possibly, and, and made the best they possibly could out of it and I think they did a pretty decent job oh agreed I, I agree with everything you just said a absolutely I, and, and I like that people were talking about is Glenn dead is Glenn not alive and and even Scott Kimball said that on this last last episode of the talking dead that the whole world was somewhat in his mind I guess a lot of people were a lot of people do watch the show talking about is he alive is he dead it, it became a lot of water cooler talk a lot of people talking about the show which you can't necessarily get from a binge watch situation. Like if you just binge watch it by yourself, you can't talk about it with your friends because there could be a different point in the series. So it's it, it was cool for that that degree. It's just the, taking the name off the credits. I guess is really specifically what bothered me in the 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 um, the mysterious statements made by them. But other than that, I agree with everything you said. It was shot wonderfully, wonderfully done. So back in Alexandria, Rick asks Morgan if they can speak later, and uh, Rick inspects a, the perimeter wall and notices a crack in the wall with blood trickling through from the other side, which kind of confirms our questions of, wait, was that actually a crack with blood coming through? Well, yes, it was. It wasn't dripping from above or But just it looked like a shadow. hole, though. Didn't it look like a bullet hole? Or a rivet hole or just, I mean, it was, it's corrugated steel for the mm. most part, right? So, I mean, that does have holes in it generally um, yeah i thought i thought it looked like a couple of bullet holes that may have just happened when the attack may have happened i mean who knows but. Uh, i don't know i think it looked a little bit too round a, a oh, hole okay. like that from an impact would probably be a bit more jagged mm. um i don't know you know if, if a bullet was even like maybe a 50 cal could go through that i don't know i, ha yeah. I haven't taken a lot of pot shots at corrugated steel recently, but, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm guessing that wouldn't work quite that well although it is tv so you got to kind of you know suspend disbelief but, there for a second it is obvious, though, because I, I once thought that it wasn't. I thought it was dripping from above, but you're right. It's definitely oozing from oh, the in, outside. In the shot from that other episode, it was definitely very dark and very hard to tell. Now right. that we've got a full shot, though, you know, yes. it, it is good to have that confirmed. It wasn't Spencer doing something dumb and falling off the roof, although he will try to top that this episode, <laughs> uh, which we'll get to. 
So Rick joins Maggie at the lookout post where she anxiously scans the horizon for a sign from Glenn. And uh, Rick proposes that uh, they lure the walkers away from Alexander so that Glenn and the others can safely return. And we have the wonderfully hilarious moment of her noting that uh, Judith is starting to look like Lori. And uh, there was so much subtext to that little line uh, that I loved. And I, I guess... I guess Maggie would have to be somewhat aware of what a what a tightrope she was walking with that comment, right? I mean, she met Shane. Does she does she know that Shane and Lori were a thing for a while? Glenn must have told her that at some point, right? Everybody knew. That whole group from Atlanta knew. But yeah. she but she was she kind of came in halfway through that, which is why Yeah, she came in later, so yeah, toss up. Yeah, like it, it didn't feel like her poking the bear it just felt like a very poor choice of words but it did make me laugh for sure i mean i thought rick's face was really interesting there as soon as she said the word lori he got that look on his face again like like he's seeing stuff and things out there in the horizon well what was his response she's like i i I thought she looked more and more like lori every day he's like yeah i was very happy about that as as i guess as opposed to her looking more and more like shane uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he just agreed with her. He he agreed. He said yes. Yeah, he did one of those yeah things, you know. And it was, but that look on his face was the as soon as she said Laurie, he just went back to that that look when he was seeing things outside the prison. He was seeing hallucinations of Laurie out there. He had that same same look. It was He's very just hearing funny. a telephone ringing in the distance. Yes, exactly. Meanwhile, back in uh, the other town, do we? Act- I don't actually know if we know what town Glenn is in, if we had a name for that. But regardless, the town Glenn is in, uh, Glenn discovers the zombified remains of David. Remember the guy who was trying to get over the fence uh, with the toilet paper note for his wife, but he didn't make it. And uh, Glenn puts him out of his misery, you know, stab wound through the head. And nearby, he finds that note that David wrote to Betsy. That that whole bit, the look on Glenn's face, I even wrote this down as a note. He had that look like, man, I'm getting tired of having to put these people out of their misery. <laughs> like It was just like, here we go again, another one that I got to go up and stab in the head because it's, you know, just laying around, you know, waiting to bite somebody. Well, plus you have the you have the symbolism of him finding the note. And, you know, it's that guy's sure. note for his wife. And Glenn was trying to get a message to his wife. Um, and they we even talked about I, you. I guess you weren't on that one, but there was that nice, um, nice symmetry in the episode where it looked like Glenn died of using David as the proxy for Glenn and Maggie's story, but instead making it David and Betsy. And so you could pepper in all those emotions before you even got to the Glenn moment. And it was like, um, it was very subtle foreshadowing of whose story you were actually telling in that episode, which we liked. Right. And it was just a great, great zombie kill. I mean, the look on his face was just really good. That eyeball was stuck to the fence and... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was gross. Just a really nice one. I mean, this... Fresh zombie, good, nice, nice shot, nice kill. And then this is the point where I guess Glenn was going to go over the fence and go back to Alexandria. But when he saw that note, he decided, you know what? Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. I should go back and go after Enid. That that's that was the turning point right there, I believe. And we're now joined by Jim Dietz. How you doing, Jim? Hello. And uh, just you know, generally speaking, what did you think of this week's episode? Before we get back to the uh, to the synopsis. Uh, more of a connective tissue episode than anything really meaningful. Kind of just setting everything up for the mid-season finale, it seemed. Um, they resolved the Glenn thing, finally. And, uh, I don't know. It just it just seemed more connective tissue than an actual... Better or worse than last week to you? Probably a little better. Just because they resolved the Glenn thing, I really thought that went, that, that went on a little long. Um, I'm just glad they finally you know, resolved it. I... I Want to be the uh, the president of the I Hate Enid Club? I just really do not like. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I, I do not like. All right. Very uh, much. I think you might have some competition, but we haven't quite gotten to that yet. Not a fan. All not right. a fan. <laughs> wow. So Glenn is about to head back to Alexandria, but at the last minute he has a change of heart and he heads back into the town to look for Enid. Back in Alexandria, Gabriel pro- posts some signs for a prayer circle uh, that afternoon, and uh, Rick walks white- right past him, kind of swipe- sideswipes him with his elbow or shoulder, and then he just rips the sign down and walks off, and Gabriel kind of turns around and replaces it with a new sign as Carl looks on at his dad as a, boy, that was cold move, dad, but I laughed 
so hard when Rick did that. I love that was a that was a super dick move. I, mean, I, I love awesome. that the show that the creators of the show have fully embraced the fact that we hate Gabriel, and they're letting Rick be our proxy for that. I think this is like now the third or fourth time this season that he's just done something where you know Gabriel says, "I'll help." He's like, "No, screw you. You're staying home," or just walks past him. Or in this case, pull it down. Oh, I laugh so hard. No, it's perfect. I mean, I, I could watch that all day. It is extremely perfect. petty and childish. Don't get me wrong, but it's still funny to me. And and we, I think it's even one up later with Tara later on. But we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised Tara made it out of the episode after that. <laughs> uh, Rick and Carl later on are teaching Ron how to use a gun because they're really really dumb, or they are just way ahead of the curve and they're tricking him we'll see um but rick stresses the importance of waiting for the right moment to shoot and not having your finger on the trigger until you are ready to shoot some nice uh, nice gun advice there and he gives ron an unloaded gun but refuses to let him actually practice shooting and carl provides hilariously uh simplistic commentary to ron treating him like a five-year-old but i, I again i thought it was pretty funny yeah, I mean, it's just becoming more and more painfully obvious it's going to come back to bite Carl in the butt somehow. Unless they're really, really misdirecting us, but we'll see. With the way this episode not not quite ends, but right before the ending, um, we'll see. Uh, so Morgan is on his way to the infirmary later on when Rick flags him down, and Rick Michonne and Carol and Morgan sit down and uh, have a discussion about his refusal to kill the wolves during the attack. Morgan maintains that all life is precious and that bad people are capable of changing, um, but making it now, Rick challenges, do you really think you can do that without getting blood on your hands? And Morgan admits he does not know. And and um, uh, Carol and Michonne also have some nice points that they throw in there. I actually thought, you know, for as much as I disagree with Morgan, I think the show's really handling his philosophy really well, but also handling the criticisms of his philosophy really, really well. I, I like the scene a lot. Very good scene. I mean, the whole the whole scene was perfect. And, you know, Morgan is such a uh, Lenny James great actor. If you notice this, when he was doing his monologue or his explanation, there was no edits. It was just him talking, just going straight on. He's that good of an actor. They didn't have to keep cutting back and forth. And uh, but I like the new leadership council. Is is this what this is now? The 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 triumvirate. That's Rick. what I was gonna say. The, like the new yeah. triad. It's like Carol, Michonne, and Rick. Exactly. The ones in I charge. love it. I love it too. It's great. They're my. I mean, other than and Morgan's my fourth favorite character. So <laughs> there you go. All four of them in one scene. I have to they can with, sit in a room and talk for a whole episode. It'd be fine. Let's just keep going. I have to agree with Craig, though. Great acting in the scene all around. Like, all, all four actors really playing well off each other. Of course, I mean, we expect it from Lenny James, but, I mean, I think his his game being so high, it ups everyone else's. Oh, yeah. In the scenes that he's in. And I really think that's evident in the scene. So on the porch, Rick and Michonne come up with a strategy to lure the walkers away from Alexandria. And Michonne urges Rick to enlist the Alexandrians' help, executing the plan, but Rick is unsure. And then Deanna joins them and excitedly reveals her plan for an expansion of the community, telling them that there will be an after this, and they need to plan for it and not just live day to day. I didn't understand that little conversation or her problem with Rick there. Like, like she's trying to say, really, really? What was that all about? What was she questioning him on? Michonne or Deanna? Michonne questioning Rick. I didn't understand that. Like he says, we're gonna only use Georgia people for this operation to get the because get throughout the... this episode, Rick keeps treating it like an us and them, and Michonne and Tara and the others are trying to make him come to terms with the fact that it's no longer us and them; it's us, and we we need to start using them and not using them using them but we need to start accepting them and including them and integrating with them or just more and more people are going to die okay and i guess i drove that point home throughout the whole episode if we get that to the end exactly uh we get a nice uh, kind of standalone but very funny scene of uh Rosita offering machete lessons to, to a group of Alexandrians, including Eugene, uh, who is worried about injuring someone because he's carrying a weapon, and there are people with open-toed shoes around, which I laugh very hard at. Meanwhile, Glenn finds Enid hiding in a restaurant and orders her to return to Alexandria. Uh, she points a gun at him, tells him no, and he takes the gun away from her and uh, basically forces her to come along with him. Now, I really like this scene because it was just she's pointing a gun at him, and Glenn is just there, he has no. He's not menaced in any way. He just really walked. He just walks up to her. He's like, "You're not going to pull the trigger. You're not going to shoot me." And just walks up and takes it from her. You know, 
Good scene. You know, in between there, there's a commercial. We had the Flight 462 update as well. The reflux bathroom coffer is now dead due to a bite. Plane is redirected to L.A. I, I did like the uh, the makeup on his bite wound, actually. I, I thought it was nice and realistic looking. Um, now that things are actually happening on Flight 42, whatever, I'm not hating it anymore. It's still mostly nothing, but it's an enjoyable mostly nothing, I guess, at this point. I'm going to still claim that it's the same plane that flew over the Clark House and was kind of wobbly. I'm going to say oh, that. Oh, yeah, that was I the, think 100%. Okay. Now that's yeah. heading to L.A. Yeah, I wasn't sure at first, but now, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, I, I got you. Uh, so in Alexandria, Rick uh, saws wood to build new supports for the wall, and Tobin joins him, and they and they stand there, and they, they help. Tobin's actually in a lot of this episode. He doesn't say a lot, but again, he seems to be one of the good ones of the Alexandrians who's willing to help and to listen and to accept advice, and, um, and that's good. And again, they see the crack in the wall, and Rick assures Tobin the wall will survive as long as they shore it up. And uh, Tobin admits that the residents had been reluctant to change, but acknowledges that Rick had been right all along, but says, please don't give up on us. Again, like, like you said Craig, yeah. before, reiterating that point. They're going to drive it home again and again and maybe again before the episode's over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Glenn and Enid find some green balloons left over from Rick's Walker herding mission. And Enid suggests that they use the balloons to distract walkers. And Glenn directs her to a bush showing more balloons and a helium tank. And Enid inflates some more balloons as Glenn lectures her against acting rashly out of fear. And she tells him, we don't have to talk. But they still will. A lot. In the pantry at Alexandria, Ron knocks over some items to distract Olivia so he can steal bullets from the armory because he's squirrely. And Glenn and Enid finally arrive at Alexandria and find it surrounded by walkers and Enid's mood sinks, but Glenn insists that they move on. Going back to the pantry for a second, and just one second, Olivia guarding the pantry. She's the she's the guard, right? She's the one that's supposed to be in charge of watching this pantry. I don't know if I'd say guard so much as cashier. More cashier. She's watching the store. She has to be the worst one I've seen because so far Carol has stolen guns, ammo, and chocolate. The angry Alexandrians and Spencer stole food from there. And now Ron walks in and steals 9mm ammunition. So she's not doing a really good job guarding that, that pantry. The shop was she's consistent. Dead. The shop. <laughs> <laughs> so then we head back to the wall with them working on it when just the most... I, I, I want to be clear here. I'm not like knocking the scene in terms of I hated it because I didn't hate it, but I was very flabbergasted by it when all of a sudden, as they're working on the wall, uh, Spencer throws a grappling hook and starts shimming over the wall along a rope he's attached to the watchtower with, with that grappling hook. Uh, so panic ensues because he doesn't know what he's doing. No one else is quite sure what he's trying to do. Uh, Rick screams at Spencer to turn back, to, and he doesn't. Uh, Tara and Eugene notice that the rope is slackening and that the grappling hook may be slipping a bit, um, and so Eugene goes for help. Uh, Tara climbs over the wall and starts shooting walkers. Uh, the rope falls, Spencer falls, and everyone starts taking out zombies as Rick and the others help pull uh, Spencer with the rope back up over the wall, and he loses his shoe. And then Rick yells at Tara, after they've saved Spencer, not his shoe, but saved Spencer, uh, Rick yells at Tara for endangering her life yet again to save an Alexandrian. And she she gives him this baffled, are you kidding me look, and flips him off, which made me laugh incredibly hard. And what's even better is Michonne's reaction to her flipping him off right next to it. It's very subtle, but uh, go back and check that out. Right. It's, it's very funny. And then Rick turns his rage on Spencer, and ex Spencer explains that he had intended to find a car to draw the walkers away away from the wall, and Rick orders Spencer to come to him before e executing any future strategies, uh, before you try any other dumb plans, and Spencer says something along the lines of, yeah, it was a dumb plan, but at least I tried. Can you say the same? And I wish, I wish Rick had said, no, I didn't, and I wouldn't, because it was a dumb plan, but the scene ends before he uh, gets a chance to say anything like because that. Because I know that I'm not friggin' Batman. Okay. <laughs> Spencer for hire thought he was in the A team. He switched shows on us there. Yeah, right. But but I thought honestly, I mean, half thought. I shouldn't say seriously thought that Rick was going to pull his Colt Python out and shoot Tara from across the uh, <laughs> across the way when he got the middle finger from her. I'm really surprised she made it through this episode. <laughs> oh, not only did she make it, he had, well, spoilers, Jerry, but he has to go back and apologize to her later for being a jerk, yeah. which he was. Let's be fair. But she still stands up to him at that point, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I'm liking oh, yeah. Tara more and more. But, I mean, the whole thing with Spencer so many headshots, so, so WTF for me. I'm just like, okay, they know that there's that sewer system underneath, right? That that um uh, Maggie uh, took, 
you know, when she But Rick doesn't know herself. yet. See, that's the well, thing. He doesn't know Spencer, about that. But doesn't Spencer know? Because he's in Alexandrian. He, wouldn't he know about mm. it from living there? Maybe he does. Maybe I mean, only Aaron knows. There other seem... options other than him trying to be friggin' Batman. You know, throwing <laughs> a grappling hook and trying to shimmy across an ocean of zombies. I mean, that's like the dumbest plan it could possibly be. I mean, well... there's no distraction. I mean, you could have at least coordinated with someone else to, like, you know, sound a horn or make a noise to distract the zombies long enough to get to a car, you know, or something. I mean, it just seemed like a not, you know, it just seemed like the dumbest plan known to man. And then, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right, Jordan. You know, I, I thought Rick was going to call him on it and just be like, are you kidding me? You know? But uh, that's, I don't know. It just really kind of just came really out of left field for me. And, and like, in, in my head, there's two very strongly competing thoughts about the whole grappling thing. One is, that's really dumb. I can't believe, well, I, I can believe Spencer would do it, but it's really dumb that Spencer would do that. But at the same time, not to get into the comics, really, but that is something that has been used many times in the comics. Sometimes successfully, sometimes not. But so the other half of my brain is going, oh, that's really cool. They brought in a grappling hook, just like they would use in the comics all the time, um, particularly around Alexandria. So I, I don't know. Like at, at some point, I'm like, that's not necessarily a terrible plan. Really, the problem with the plan was the fact that he told no one and decided to just do it. That's the real problem there. It's it's a workable plan. If they did it the right way, they That's just, what I'm he saying. just did yeah, it the completely wrong to, way. I mean, if they had a second person to distract the herd, you know, or draw their attention away from him while he was doing it, or, you know, gone to a less populated part of the wall, or, you know, it just seemed like there were a hundred different ways that could have been better. Yeah. He's not thinking straight. He's still hitting the sauce. He's still hitting <laughs> that whiskey he stole from the commissary. I mean, that, uh, the crackers absorbed all The crackers, yeah. <laughs> yes, he has. Seriously though, does Spencer have any real training on the outside of the walls? Or I thought his brother Aiden was the one that made the runs. Did he ever have any real training? Like he even asked Rosita a couple episodes ago, "Is this the way it really is out here?" So maybe he really doesn't know how to handle walkers, combat, grappling hooks, action of any sort. Yeah, I think he's mostly been a sentry up till now. Um, right in in the tower sometimes, and and not just because that's what we've seen him doing most of the time, but I think also Deanna said that like last season that most of the time it's it's Spencer up there being the sentry. Yep. Um, uh, we then check in with the infirmary and we see Dr. Denise and she's curious when Morgan stops by to ask for uh, uh, antibiotics. And after some probing, he, I guess it's actually he goes back twice. The first time he goes in, he talks to her, but it's a nice little scene. He leaves um, and then he comes back later and is like, hey, I need some antibiotics. But here's the thing. Can you keep a secret? They're not for me. And uh, the two of them head over to uh, to the place where he's keeping the alpha wolf Um and that's when Carol notices out the window, or I guess she's on the porch. She notices Morgan leading Denise down to the townhouse with the jail cell. And so she heads to Jesse's house to ask her if she can watch Judith. There's a nice little Sam-Carol uh, uh, interaction. And then uh, she uh, she follows him there. And when she unlocks the door, Morgan comes around the corner and she demands who he to know who he is holding in the cell. So they, they get they move through that a lot faster than I thought they would. It's I see it, I follow them, and then all of a sudden they know I'm there. It, it, this could have been something that they dragged out for a while, but it seems like they're going to get through it pretty quickly. Although uh, with the way episode ends, they might have to take a detour. We'll see. Well, you covered a lot there. I mean, Morgan and Denise, I like that scene in the hospital or in the infirmary, if you will, there. Uh, Floppers, the little acronym she's creating for herself. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I'm really, I like this little relationship. I, I like the actress that plays Denise. I like her a lot. She's doing a lot with that character with the little that she's given. And Carol definitely sees what's going on from the porch. She, she, she doesn't miss a beat. I mean, she's standing there with the baby in her hand. She sees Morgan walking out. Immediately, her radar is up. She goes, okay, all right. And then Denise follows him. Something's going on there. But my question to all of you is this. Did you see Jesse was, like, building something on the porch? <clears throat> was that that stupid owl again? Is she fooling around with that thing again? Uh, I didn't notice what she was doing on the porch. I, I thought she had a gun, though. Didn't she have a gun with her when It Carol wasn't a gun. Over? It was a hammer. I, I, I rewound that she was building something or fixing some kind of sculpture, something on the porch, when uh, Carol came up with baby Judith and said, hey, can you watch her for me? And she goes inside to put the tools away. I mean, this is <laughs> 24 hours ago, she was stabbing a person in her, in her, in her kitchen. And now she's fooling around with that owl sculpture again. It just made it could made have no been that, or she could have been repairing a broken window. I, I honestly did not notice what she was working on, but she, okay. you know, there could have been a broken window from the attack or something. Possibly, There's plenty yeah. of of non owl related hammer things she could be doing. <laughs> Maybe she was um, hammering out a new haircut for her son. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need a haircut, mom. 
Meanwhile, we catch up with Carl, speaking of Ron, and uh, we see Carl walking down the street, and Ron is quietly following behind him, and he is uh, gripping the, the handle, or the grip of the gun that is in uh, the back of his waistband as he follows Carl. And what happens next? Well, we don't know, because we don't check in with that again until uh, next week, presumably. There's nothing else of that story in this episode. Just real quick, though, I like that relationship between, just going back one more scene, between um, uh, Carol and Major Dodson, a.k.a. Sam. They got this really weird relationship going on. That little that little uh, conversation they have. Well, he's at the top of the stairs and he doesn't understand walkers, monsters, as he calls them. And she well, just it was gives a callback a to the talk. cookie scene of last season with, with him asking her about what she had said there, which I like that they're they're keeping that in. Oh yeah, it's just really I, I just it's just a strange relationship. This this tough love thing that that she's giving him while the mother's kind of sugarcoating everything. It, it's just it's real interesting. I, I like the way it's going. So as Rick and Tobin are shoring up the wall, Rick sees Tara and he goes over to apologize to her for yelling at her. Uh, Deanna thanks Rick for saving Spencer and Rick demures and says that he should she should be thanking Tara because it's Tara who actually did more to save Spencer's life than he did. And Deanna replies in saying that she already did. And Deanna asks why he did it. And Rick says it's because he's your son. And Deanna replies that that is the wrong answer. Uh, meanwhile, Maggie is on watch and she sees the balloons that Glenn and Enid had to distract the walkers float in on the sky. Uh, it's a nice image of uh, almost like a rainbow after the flood type uh, type image. And everyone's kind of looking up to see those uh, see those balloons as they float by. And she runs to Rick saying that it's Glenn and her hope is restored. However, as this <laughs> happens, uh, the watchtower, which we've kind of been hearing creak uh, the whole episode and seen some little bits and pieces falling off of it finally topple, topples over and crashes into the perimeter wall that Rick and Tobin were working on shoring up and walkers start to enter Alexandria as the episode ends. Now, I just want to say that is like the most Walking Dead sequence possible. Here is this wonderful <laughs> metaphor for hope. Oh, good. One of our one of our friends survived. Oh, my God, that's so great. And the balloons floating in there, their spirits floating free. And then immediately after, the watchtower crashes <laughs> and they're overrun with zombies again. I mean, if that's not The Walking Dead, I don't know what is. <laughs> Here is hope. Let us ex extinguish it as quickly as possible. <laughs> you had your dose of hope. Glenn is alive. That, yes. That's all the hope you get, mister. <laughs> that's right. It's this great sine wave in multiple ways, actually, in both the tone, you know, of, you know, dark, 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 happy, happy, and then dark, you know, that up, down, up, down. But then also a literal sine wave of the camera where you're at an even keel, just, you know, standard... Uh, 90 degree shots and then all of a sudden the camera's panning up to see these balloons and then it's panning down again as it follows the tower crashing down and granted these are multiple shots but still it's that down up down and, and it's I, I really love that whole sequence and it looked legit too if, if it was CG which I don't think it was but if it was it looked really good it, it didn't look fake like I've seen a lot of fake CG in the show this looked very practical and very real that tower falling down I mean yeah, as far as I could tell, that seemed to be a legit practical effect. So, gentlemen, in terms of busters, one being the worst, five being the best, what do you give? Heads up. I'll give this a 3.75. It was definitely a good, solid episode of The Walking Dead. It had some good parts I liked in it. It wasn't as action-heavy as some of the other uh, episodes we've seen this season, but it didn't need to be either. It was actually, it flowed very well for me, seeing Glenn the way he got out of his situation, albeit unscathed, was fine with me. Uh, it was leading us and tying up a lot of loose ends for the mid-season finale. The way it was shot was fine. And unlike you guys, I didn't have that many problems with Enid necessarily either. Although you guys seem to have something to say about her. I didn't really notice any major acting problems from her. But it wasn't anything that stood out either. I mean, she is a young actress and all, so I'm going to give her a pass. But other than that, solid. I'll take this all day. Call it a B-3.75. Works for me. And I should be clear, I also didn't have any problems with Enid. I think it was uh, Russ and, and Jim who did. Um, surprisingly, we didn't get into that. We can get into that later, I guess, because nobody brought it up before. Um, but anyway, uh, Jim, your turn. Uh, I give it a 3.5. I don't. It's not that I don't like the actress who plays Enid. I just don't like the character. It's kind of like the pro same problem I have with Laurie Grimes. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Can I, can I ask you about that? Like, what? Because nothing about her is bothering me, and I'm usually pretty picky. What What's bugging you about Enid? She just seems like to have survived this long in the zombie apocalypse to be kind of 
too wrapped up in herself, too much of the hot topic goth girl mentality that, mm. that, that you know, to yeah. be that long out in the apocalypse like this, if she's not tied into the wolves or has some other aspect to her character that we don't already know about, then she's annoying me. It, Yeah, I just don't... I, the whole bratty, yeah. I want to be a loner, even though time and time again, I've it's been proven that we really need to stick together and I shouldn't act like this. And being bratty for no reason. Like, why is she purposely ignoring Glenn if she stuck around that long to make sure he was alive and to send him a bottle of water and then to just ignore him? Mm. And then not want to talk. And it's just like, I don't like characters written that way. Again, yeah, my problem isn't with the actress. I think she's doing a fine okay. job with with the material she's been given. I, I just I just don't think she's a good character. I don't, I, I just, it's almost like stereotypical bratty kid. Right. And I, I just, I, I you know, I, I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't like the way she's written. I, I, I See, I don't, I don't know, because to a certain extent, I, I actually really do like the way she's written because in those scenes with her and Glenn and you have that battle of wills between them I come down squarely on her side she saved his life now she wants to leave and she doesn't want to go back and this weirdo that she doesn't know is forcing her to come with he essentially kidnaps her this episode let's I mean let's not sugarcoat things she is an essentially an adult who wants to leave and he forces her to return with him she, this is not a person she knows. This is just some random guy who lived a few houses down from her for like two weeks. She wants to leave and he's making her go back for no good reason. I, I don't know. I kind of like that because there's some ambiguity there. But well, I'm not even know, just talking about this I episode. Guess. I'm just talking about the character overall, too. Yeah. Oh, and that, that that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but uh, the episode 3-5, again, it just seemed like um, we've had a really good season so, so far. Or at least this half of the season has been really great. I mean, and this just seemed... Like one of those connective tissue type episodes to get things set up for the mid-season finale. And that's totally fine. There's some great visuals in this episode, like you said, during the whole sequence with the balloons and the watchtower. Um, there were some great, uh, well-acted scenes, like I mentioned, the, you know, the four of the uh, the main uh, actors together in that one scene. Um, but it just it seemed more like a, a, of a moving of the pieces on the chessboard, uh, more than like a, a really blockbuster episode. So a three five is a B plus. So yeah, I give it a three and a quarter. I, honestly, I think if if the Enid stuff didn't bug me so much, I, I, it probably would be three and a half. Like I said, a good solid episode. I mean, you know, there wasn't like I said. I mean, there wasn't anything that just really, really, you know, made me angry or really dislike it. I mean, I have issues with Enid's character, but. You know, it didn't it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the show. So I think I'm with Jim on this one with a with a three five, but we all seem to be in more or less the same territory. Certainly better than last week for me. And while yes, it did, it was a place setting episode. It was um, a bit of a disjointed episode. I think in terms of the disjointed episodes that we've had recently, and there have been a couple, this one probably did the most to keep uh, the themes and the tone between those sections similar. And beyond that. I enjoyed all the sections, and a lot of times with these disjointed episodes, I enjoyed these two stories, but these four over here were only okay, and those two over there I didn't like at all. I pretty much liked all the little sub-stories in this episode. I got a couple of really good laughs out of it, and, you know, it was just a refreshing palate cleanser for me after last week, so three and a half. But who cares what we think of this week's episode, Jim. What did our listeners on the Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group think of this week's episode? You mean the fabulous The Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group that we uh, That is exactly the one I was referring to. We're almost 700 members strong. We have 47 new members uh, in the past month. That is awesome. So congratulations to you for joining because you are in a really good spot. Not only do you get to uh, join in with our Buster thread that we go over every uh, week when we talk about the episode, you also get links directly to Aaron uh, Neuwirth's uh, uh, write-ups of every week's episode of The Walking Dead. Uh, the direct links there in the Facebook group. There's also a lot of good, uh, funny memes going around, good discussion. Um, we got some really good casting news. But uh, the the name of the group is The Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group, oddly enough, because you know, you're listening to The Walking Dead TV Podcast. And every week we ask people to give us their ratings from one to five busters uh, for this episode. And this is no exception. And we start off with Susan Monk. Uh, three missed opportunities for fun with helium voices out of five. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Tarek Awar, uh four falling watchtowers out of five. Better episodes than the last two hands down. Here's hoping that little turd Ron gets devoured. <laughs> Ow. And that final scene of the tower <laughs> falling had me yelling, Oh, mother dick. 
Can't wait for the mid-season finale. Uh, Max Sofer, four lost shoes out of five. I li literally laughed out loud when Glenn pulled himself under the dumpster. I can't believe they actually did that. Tune in next week when Porch Dick Jr. shoots someone he loves on accident. I can see coming a mile away. <laughs> uh, Cheryl Morris Goodman, 3.5, not quite 99 red balloons out of five. I'm glad Glenn is alive, but it was a bit anticlimactic. Getting bored with the, hey, you're a stupid Alexandrian, and I'm Rick Grimes, and I know better. Uh, I'm and listener, while you are correct that it's not quite 99 red balloons, you also might want to get yourself checked for colorblindness, because those were green. <laughs> but uh, I may be a petty jerk sometimes, but at least I can shoot. And did you see that metaphor with the neon lights? Uh, Brent Jones pointed out that he agrees that's, that routine is getting stale, but the Alexandrians have started pointing it out now. Um, what neon lights was she talking about? Do you know what that was? I don't know. Off the top okay. Of my head. Um, Brent Jones, a 3.5. I'm glad Rick hates Gabriel as much as I do out of five. Amen, brother. Uh, anticlimactic, if you ask me, hope the remaining three make it back next week. Unless it was a trap by someone saying, help on the walkies. Oh. Uh, so did halves of the herd converge upon Alexandria? Uh, we saw the group that converged on the RV chasing Rick back, but w is that where Glenn's batch went as well? I think like half went with uh, um, the one convoy with Daryl, and the other half went toward Alexandria, right? And, w and that other half went through the town where Glenn and everybody was. Right. So those walkers that ate Nicholas were part of the group that broke off and headed towards Alexandria. Whether those 30 or so zombies eventually made it or not, I couldn't tell you. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, Mike Jones gives it 2.5 King Diamond Churches out of 5. A lot of missed opportunities here. The whole Glenn deal was just a mess. He would not have escaped that. If walkers can move semi-trucks, they can move a dumpster. That depends what's in the dumpster, I guess. Uh, Shailen Bensavega, 3.5 busters. I'm glad Glenn is alive. There's no way he survives the season. It's a shame it's so predictable. <laughs> For a show that's supposed to be so shocking, I can't remember the last time I was surprised. Uh, now it would be shocking for me if Glenn did survive. Hmm. I have some thoughts on that, but we'll save it for the spoiler section. Yeah, okay. me too, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Ian Timms, uh, last two minutes, pushed it up another level. Next week should be awesome. 3.5 collections for a new church tower out of five. Uh, Robert Nigro, three out of five stolen bullets. Uh, Mike, I think the church tower collapsed because they were scavenging wood from it to shore up the wall. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure uh, why I was being shown the falling pieces of wood earlier in the episode, but he decided it was people throwing planks down off camera. Hmm. That might, be, might explain why. That, I think the constant weight of the zombies, too, would have something to do with it, right? Probably. I don't think they were scavenging from the tower, no. though, because the tower's outside the wall, right. isn't it? Like, completely? Yeah. yeah. So, I think yeah. we were supposed to see just it was so damaged from the attack, it was just collapsing under its own weight and pieces were starting to fall off. And Because remember, the semi-truck sideswiped it. And right. it oh, caught yeah, it fire it. at a certain point. So, yeah. I, mean, yep. I forgot about the there truck There was a lot of structural it. damage. I forgot there. about the truck hitting it. Yeah, you're right. Um, the Alexandrians frustrate me when the prison was threatened by walkers with a fence breach. Uh, Rick and Carl pretty much fought them off single-handedly during the flu time. Uh, yeah, that's a good callback. Uh, now I hope the caskets will down a bit, even if that means Alexandria and its antibiotics and chilled white wine are no more. And Belinda Ake, 3 out of 5, what Robert Nigro said. Well put. Uh, <laughs> Carl Hooker, 3.5, medical cheat sheet chalkboards out of 5. Uh, the ending salvaged some of this episode along with some solid acting from Morgan and Dr. Denise. Uh, I agree on that. Uh, uh, Monica Smith-Anacito, a 3.5, Ding Dong Glenn's Not Dead out of 5. I'm relieved that Glenn lives to see another day, but when is he going to learn that everyone can't be saved? Uh, many cliffhangers at the end made this a good episode. Uh, Rob Cook, 3.75 weapons novices holding significant blades out of five. Uh, love that fact that <laughs> Father Gabriel is still so ignored by Rick, he must be questioning his own existence. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. He had no lines, just his face. He yeah. just, just his face, that's all you had to see in, in the yep. episode. That's all you needed to hear from him. <laughs> Glenn's okay in exactly where we thought he was going to be. Anticlimax? Yeah, a little bit. I uh, love the foreshadowing of the crumbling church throughout the episode, setting up the mid-season finale. P.S. Nothing good will come out of Ron's gun ownership. <laughs> I, I agree there. Ain't that the truth. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington. The episode gets a three point, or a three. I can't believe they just did that out of five. It lost a buster for Glenn surviving the way he did, 
Surely he would have gotten bitten while dragging himself under the bin. I'm slightly disappointed that The Walking Dead did that. I am agree with you, sir. Uh, the last two minutes were the high point, so really looking forward to next week's mid-season finale. Uh, Tanya Royston, I'm giving this three full uh, gimples out of five. Uh, letting his vision play out without the misleading statements and credit manipulation would have been a much bigger payout. I feel like the episode was setting up for the finale instead of being a meaningful one. Hey, I think I just said that like 10 minutes ago. Uh, with here, here, Tanya. <laughs> with the main character's resurgence. Cue Terra, please. <laughs> uh, David Bue the third, a 3.75 hanging humans out of five for just hanging out over a herd of zombies. <laughs> it's a new extreme sport. <laughs> they call it Spencering. Uh, as he said, <laughs> said, the world is supposed to just die, so come on, man who escapes me because no one cares about you, and just fall in for food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a new extreme sport. It's called Spencering. You drink a bunch of Mountain Dew and you dangle out over some zombies with a grappling hook. It's a lot of fun. And he was armed for war. He had that AK-47 over his back, and you know he was all strapped up. He had a backpack on. Like, what was he doing, man? Come on. You're not, you're not part of Rick's group. You watched The Dark Knight one too many times. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you would like to join us on the Facebook group, we would love to have you. Like I said, we have some fun memes. We have links to uh, Aaron Newhart's uh, write-ups every week. We have good discussion on the group. It's pretty much troll-free, as far as I can tell. And like I said, we always have everybody chime in with their busters, not only for each episode, for the season overall. So, so walk into TV Podcast Facebook group. Join us. Yeah, m- mostly troll-free. We've got a couple high elves walking around, but that's about it. Yeah, and a couple of rock elves. Hey. <laughs> So we're going to have almost 700 members next week if this keeps up. That's going to be really great. Yeah, it's awesome. Really growing fast there. So we also have Aaron who sent in his uh, review of this episode. But before we get to that, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. Of course, our sponsor this week and every week on the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com and their sister site, InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. Comics... Comic book related merchandise. We're talking those pop uh, vinyl Funko Pop figures. We're talking T-shirts. We're talking hoodies. We're talking hats, backpacks, action figures, the McFarlane uh, uh, diorama sets for The Walking Dead. They're awesome, but they're also really expensive. So save yourself a ton of money and save yourself a trip out to the store because really, who wants to do that? And go to DCBService.com, go to InStockTrades.com, and get your comics and comic book related merchandise at a deep deep discount. We're talking 10% off, 20% off, 40% off, 50% off, sometimes even better deals than that. Head over to InStockTrades.com, head over to DCBService.com, let them know we sent you, and check out the awesome deals that you can get right now on the cool nerd stuff you want, and maybe get some, you know, uh, holiday gifts for your friends and family, or, let's face it, for yourself. I was going to say, as we're recording this, everybody's getting, uh, getting all geared up for the Black Friday shopping bonanza that goes on every year, and I don't know. I just it's so much smarter to just sit at home and and shop online. Go to DCB service. You know you're going to get the customer service you need. You know you're going to get a good price. You know you're going to get some cool gifts for your geeky friends. Uh, like Jordan said, even if you're not into the comics, they you know they cover you know t-shirts and and action figures and and anything anything along those lines, man. Anything pop culture related, they can get it at a good deep discount so and save yourself the headache of having to go out and shop during the holidays and the crowds the parking don't do it do a dcb service save yourself the trouble exactly so like i said before aaron sent in his thoughts he couldn't make it tonight but he sent me this email he says heads up thoughts hey you can start reading this post now hey guys sorry i couldn't be there i got caught under a dumpster and my legs were conveniently left alone by the walker surrounding me as i crawled under anyway but does he have my pizza Anyway, Heads Up was an okay episode with a few big highlights. While stringing out the fate of Glenn was pretty cheap when all is said and done, the execution of the scene and what follows was handled well enough. I enjoyed things involving Morgan and Carol, because why wouldn't I? It was even nice to see someone from Alexandria actually be smart and work with Rick for a change. Of course, you still get two very stupid Alexandrians in the form of dumb gun-toting Ron and even dumber grappling hook climbing Spencer. Fortunately, all of that nonsense was halted by the tower that came crashing down. It's a great setup for next week's mid-season finale. For heads up, I go 3.5 busters with a side bonus for Rick still being a dick to Father Gabriel. And of course, <laughs> if you head over to the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group, you can find the link to Aaron's full-on review over at theyoungfolks.com for this week's episode and every episode of The Walking Dead. And they're always a treat to read. So go over there and check that out. 
So we're about to head into the end, and of course, we're going to spend a few seconds talking about next week's episode. But before we get to that, remember, you can contact us at WDTV at HHWLOD.com or follow us on Twitter. I'm at JordanFRMJersey. Craig is at Auto Chat Show. Jim is at Yoda Jones. And Russ is at R. Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, everyone, everyone hates Father Gabriel. And they should. Have a good week, everybody. That one was lazy, but I'm fine with it because everyone should hate Father. He's Gabriel. kind of a dick. You're right. <laughs> he's he's he is the worst. He's a porch dick. <laughs> and next week on The Walking Dead, of course, if you don't want to know anything about next week's midseason finale, tune out now. We won't be offended. But if you don't mind knowing just a bit about the episode, here we go. Three, two. One, season six, episode eight is entitled Start to Finish. And the very vague, I, I know I say that every week, but there, it's always amusing to me how vague the descriptions are. Uh, the, the description we have from AMC.com is multiple problems crash together. You can use that for like every episode, yeah. that description. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like any drama, really, if there's any kind of conflict whatsoever. Even, even most comedies. Yeah, a lot of those, too. Here, spoiler, there will be zombies. Yeah, and the, the previews we see for next week's episode are pretty much zombies, zombies coming through the wall. It all looks very cool. Presumably everyone gets back in this next uh, episode, and there's lots of cool stuff there. Now the question is, is Ron going to shoot Carl? Is Ron going to shoot Rick? Is Ron going to shoot both of them? Is Ron going to try? Is Ron going to shoot himself in the foot, probably? Could Ron be the hero of this entire show and go kill Father Gabriel? That's all I'm saying. It's a possibility. Um... You guys have anything else to say about uh, the midseason finale before we uh, close it out? Editor's note. Hey, you. Yes, you. After I stop giving this warning, there's about two minutes of legit comic book spoilers that follow. And I mean it. Like, if you kind of listen to spoilers sometimes and know it's probably fine, legitimate comic book spoilers follow for the next two minutes. This is your only warning. But I wanted to give an extra one here just because we don't normally do this and these are real spoilers. So. No, but some Glenn predictions. I think Jim and I had a couple of ideas, and you know, I'm sure you guys do too. But I, I guess I'll start off by saying, yes, he's alive. We all know in the comic books, and we're not going to go too deep into it, but what happens, Glenn's fate is pretty much sealed by a character coming up we know has been cast, and he's going to be probably in the end of this season. But I wonder if they're going to really just head fake us, like Glenn is not going to die at the end of this season and somebody else will. Maybe That's kind of what I'm thinking. Another major character in his place. Yeah, they've shuffled things around like that before. Like they would have like major story elements from the comic, but in a different way or in different context with different characters. So I mean, I could see them doing that. But I mean, his last dance with Lucille, as it were. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, for instance, I guess I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a disclaimer before this, saying, "Hey, everybody, we're about to go into full-on comic spoilers." But I think also speaking of mixing things around, I'm pretty sure Ron's going to be the one to shoot Carl in the face. Oh, you think, you think he's? You, oh, I don't think he's done. No, Chandler I don't think Riggs he's done. done. I don't think he's done. I think he's going to get shot in the head. Oh, okay, that's true. He had just a... like he did in the books, right? Right. And he's going to be an awesome cyclops who goes on into the future, being a badass. Yeah. I, I actually kind of really hope that happens. To be honest, is there um, a justification to kill Ron? Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and an awesome reason for Carl to be even cooler. Yeah. And and what is going to turn Enid? towards staying in the town more than having an awesome Cyclops boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's pretty Ladies, goth. You know dude. what I'm saying, right? That is pretty goth. <laughs> well, he, why do you keep calling her goth? She just it comes across that way to me. She's, uh, she's kind of pale. Well, it's that kind of... <laughs> she's kind no, of pale. that kind of self-affected adolescent phase. I think you that, just mean teenager. No. Teenage angst. Teenager. That's eh, a little a more certain than phase, that. Certain phase, certain uh, subdivision of teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's, that's about it for this week's episode so we will catch you guys next week for the mid-season finale have a good night everybody take care good night I went on a balloon ride I can see everything from up there I went on a balloon ride and now everything seems clear alright so we're joined by Jim Jim are you uh, ready to start I'll count you in here Three, two, one, record. And I'm recording. All right, and then just uh, one. Two. Three. Seventy-five. Four. Forty-eight.
Alrighty, that should work. Hike! Right. Yeah, I think I might come uh, back to bite Carl in the butt a little bit. Uh, Jim, we can barely yeah, hear you. Yeah, are you muted, buddy? Oh, my daughter was in there. I had the mic turned down. So if you figure Michonne's totally the hand of the king, and Carol's the spider, who's the master of coin in this small council? Well, it's either, <laughs> either Daryl or no, no, Gwen, no, right? No, 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 no. Uh, um, Carol is Robert Duvall. Um, and, uh, okay, well, now we're changing the metaphor. Michonne is James Caan, you know, the, the hot-headed son. And... See, I was going Game of Thrones, not Godfather. Oh, but well. uh... Godfather's got like that. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, wait, wait, who, who's Sonny now? Who, who's it? Michonne? <laughs> James Caan, yeah. That's funny. The enforcer, you know. Which you have to read Aaron's review, I guess. Uh, I forgot to mention it. But... Yeah, I was going to do that after the uh, the listeners. Oh, Okay. But thank you. Yeah, well, see, Craig is supposed to remind, so that worked out. Great. And I, I just did my job. I fulfilled my duty. <laughs> Good job, pal. Just, just to double check, was her joke Shiite? Uh, well, Scott I Gimple? kind of. I, I can't. We can't. I'm, I'm making it at a point now. We can't use. I can't say shit, right? No, no. I'm pretty sure she was saying Shiite, as in uh, Shiite Muslim. Because no, she's like giving beard. us a three full of. Shit gimples out of five. Oh, That's I heard full-on Shiite, and I thought she meant because of his beard. Okay, never oh, mind. No, because <laughs> no, the way he was teasing us, I think that, that's what she was talking about. And that's I was what like, I, was I thought he looked about. a little bit more like a rabbi than a Shiite. I said either way. to kind of like sidestep the fact that she No, no, you're, you're fine. That was a misunderstanding for my part because right. I'm not reading along. Cool. Have fun with this edit, Jordan. <laughs> oh, this is a great blooper. <laughs> <laughs> Fig nuts. There you go. Now it's a real blooper. There's a callback. <laughs>